This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. Hey you guys, and welcome to the Steel Wars Hyper Chat Hyper News. I don't even know what show these are called because I keep coming up with uh, weird names for all of them. It will make sense one day. But I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And for the next hour or so, we are going to be talking all the Star Wars news of the day, which... It's a mild Star Wars couple of days, but we've got some interesting, interesting, sorry, things to stumble my words over as we discuss them. And who we will be discussing them with is my great friend over in New York from the podcast, The Canto Bite Dispatch. It's Emily Lind. How are you doing, Emily? I'm good, Steel. And you got the name of my podcast right. So I'm wondering if it was like in front of you on text. Oh, already with the attitude, Emily, as, as I'm trying to get your little um, logo up here next to me. See, now people, can, this is good. If people are watching on YouTube, you can either get it on the on the Patreon feed or on YouTube. But yeah, now now Emily's smiling face is up there and it doesn't really match the um, the bitterness of your comments that I, that I one time, maybe two times, three, less than five times mixed up the name of your podcast. Let bygones be bygones, Emily. I'm not very good at that. I'm very petty. (laughs) Ah, and that is why you belong on the internet, Emily Lind. (laughs) Uh, How's your Star Wars week been? What's going on? Um, I'm trying to think if I did anything Star Warsy this week. I mean, I recorded a podcast. I guess that's fairly Star Warsy if I talk about it for two hours. But it's pretty Star Warsy. Pretty Star. Yeah. Wars-y. The um, I want to uh, just let people know that if they want to call in and join the show, we've got a few people on hold already. They can call in on six four six 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 eight eight three six zero. And uh, if you're calling internationally or Skyping, which is probably the more affordable way, depending on your phone plan, I don't want to pry. Do you know what I mean? You just keep that information to yourself. But if it's not that favorable for international calls, add a little plus one and Skype in and it'll be, uh, it'll be far, far cheaper. So that's 646-668-8360. If you are watching on YouTube Live, that number is in the show notes and in the chat. And I always love the chat. Uh, we've got a who have we got in there? Two Mead Two. That is oh, it's like a droid. Two Med Two. I get it now. Like two one B. And they said wait. The waiting is the hardest part. I don't know how to take that. I, I feel like I should just leave it because whatever my response will be, it will be maybe not appropriate for this time period this ratings period or something emily help me help me um i mean that's that's part of the difficulty of having the delay it is a bit the um i love polls emily as you know and the one of the ones i posted up this week 
was uh, to gain entry into the big Star Wars celebration, Star Wars cel- oh sorry, the big Star Wars celebration hashtag Star Wars celebration Chicago panels. Would you rather? And the choices were uh, overnight lineup, uh, which was twenty nine percent. The traditional way it's done. 38 people, or 38% of people, I should say, went for un- online lottery. And then 20% of people went for half lottery, half lineup. And then 13% of people said, I have a better idea. But here's the thing, Emily. Of those 13%, only one person actually left their idea. Are, are the others like... They're holding on to them. They're they're just too good. They can't. They're gonna like like copyright lineup ideas. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought they would have post, like tweeted the in the reply or something saying um, what the the idea might be. But um, so there you go. A bit of a shame. The uh, Adam Green on the chat says I was very surprised at the online lottery won, as was I. Um, but when you add it together, so 29% for overnight lineup, 38% online lottery, and then 20% went half and half. So that sort of balances it out a little bit, but not much. It makes it look a bit more even, but, uh, what, what, what's your choice, Emily? I'd, I'd go for a mix. I, I understand because not everybody can line up overnight um obviously like people with little kids but also some people might have like physical like reasons they can't do it and so there has to be some sort of accommodation for that but i also I, i think you do have to reward people who who line up all night and like the lineup like if it's all online lottery i know New York Comic Con is doing a mix this year. I mean, they don't do overnight lines, but people start lining up pretty early in the morning. But they're doing a mix, and if you win the lottery, you can take like three people with you. But and I don't know. In my own celebration group, three people is not that many, and yeah, there but, might be like twenty of us lining up overnight. But what about it? And if only one of us. But what about how many people, say three people, so it's four, and then how many groups of four enter, and then they each get one, like each person in that four gets to have a chance at another four. I'd be, I'd be wondering what the odds, the odds would be pretty good, I guess. Like, wouldn't you think? Like, yeah, well, I mean, it, well, it would depend how they do it, like... It, at New York Comic Con, you when you because they they just the, the signups are going on right now, mm-hmm. and when you sign up, you have to put in their their like email addresses at that point. Okay, so so are they all? Do they all get to like? Can just say I'm like crafty Emily, which I am. And mm-hmm. I convince eight other people that I'm putting them on my three-person ballot. Like, can each of those eight people put me on it? Or is it we go in as like, we're, we're team, we're four people going in 
as a team? Is it team yeah, or individual? Yeah, I think so. so is it a team or a plus you're, one you're, scenario? You're so, each individual, like if you if you had four people on your list, each of those four people could enter and put you on. And if you wanted to screw over your friends, yes, you could tell a lot of people that you were going to to put them and have them put you in order to up your odds. But if they figured it out, well, actually, at that point, it would be too late because it's like it's automatically connected to your badge. Oh, is it? That's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. I would feel more comfortable with a wristband, though. Nothing feels safer than a wristband. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm always worried about, like, computers malfunctioning and getting screwed over in some way. So I guess a wristband makes me feel like I actually have this thing. Yeah. The, um... Christian points out in the chat room, the promised lottery uh, is people will sell them, which means Star Wars Celebration will end up charging for lottery tickets so they can monetize top of the tickets um, that people buy to go. But if they they are suction cupped to your pass, then you can't really do that unless you're giving someone your pass. But the other thing is, I don't think Star Wars Celebration badges previously have had any tracking like i know at um san diego comic con it's it's you they like you beep in and stuff but from celebrations i um haven't no i don't remember i i remember them all being pretty generic bits of plastic with lovely pictures i, I can't take the pictures away but um they're definitely they're thinking about all the different options so, you know, the the online lottery is being considered. So I, I think a mix is is the go because part of as sad as this sounds, everyone, for some people, the sickos, part of the fun is that overnight line. For the real sickos, it's for the Eric Struthers of the world, part of that fun is not sleeping for about two and a half days in that line. But, um, like, you, you haven't been to a celebration, Emily. Is, is, is a lineup something that you um, aspire to or fear? No, I think it'll be fun. Uh, I mean, it, yes, it's, it's overnight, but it still has the, the reminiscence of when, when the special editions came out or the prequels came out and I was lined up all day in front of the theater. Yeah, and you, you really... Like I always go back to um, like the the Comic Con one for the Force Awakens, Naya 2015, a great a great time for camping out, you guys. And like I made so many great friends in that line. But the San Diego Comic Con Hall H line has perfect lineup conditions. You're lined up like along a like a, a waterfront, and then you get to sleep on this tented grass. And one of my most relaxing feelings ever in Star Wars fandom is drifting off to sleep with my face on that grass at about two in the morning, um, the night before the Force Awakens panel with JJ, and, and just lullaby to sleep with the snoring of, of several other Star Wars fans. It was it was beautiful. It was it was a really special thing, Emily. See, that actually does sound fun to me. Yeah, it is. I. Um, <laughs> 
it's uh it's a good time. I, I I didn't have to do it last time, but I did it at D23, and it was um man, that's a cold floor. They got the, down there at Anaheim. That is one cold floor. Now, uh, if you've got an opinion about that, um, call in and uh, we'll discuss that. But I sort of think I, I think what they have to do is establish a. I think they should half and half. Although the lottery thing is logistically hard, like that's a lot of organisation. But they are selling, I don't know, eighty thousand tickets to people, so they've, they've they've got the the resources to do it. But it has to be done, you know, rock solid. And also, I um, I was talking about someone sort of involved with it uh, recently, and my 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 tip was just put out work out the rules of the line two weeks before the, fe- the festival, the celebration, the convention, and post the rules of the line and give, <laughs> give the rules of the line to the random security guards, volunteers, employees on there. So I, you know, whether you can go in and out at a certain time, whether you can save spots for people like once that's established and I sort of think they should do like line up to a certain amount of time, you know, close it off at at 12 o'clock or one o'clock or whatever, and then open the line back up again in the morning once they've given out the wristbands because that's like that sort of letting people back in and the wristband distribution, that, that's where dodgy stuff, that, that's where your loopholes are found. Trust me. I, I, I think about all, yeah. all the loopholes. <laughs> um, and definitely, as long, like, no matter what the rules are, if they're all out there beforehand and people know them, that helps a lot. And, like, do what New York is doing. Like, New York's, like, lottery, you're going to know the week before whether you got this thing or not so you can plan ahead of time whether you're going to have to show up at five o'clock in the morning or whether you can just stroll in yeah and and one thing that has to go down especially like i i think like a lockout for a few hours before you give out the wristbands is the best way to manage the crowd but there has to be a cap like they have like if you are sleeping out you have to have a wristband or there should be someone there to go, sorry, we've got too many people already in the line for wristbands. Because like hearing stories of people at Orlando that camped out and didn't get in, no, Oof. zero buys. Like, that, like that's where like the happiest weekend of your year turns to bitterness. And I can, I can, I can really understand that. So I hope, well, they are putting thought into it now. So um, I hope that thought pays off in... A fair system. Because I think if you establish like a fair system, hopefully a dual thing, then like people feel like they had a like a fair shake and if they have to go watch the live feed um, of the big panel. I, I should point out that the other idea that um, you know how I said only one person actually gave their I've got a better idea. Mm-hmm. That one idea was from making Star Wars.net's head know it all. Jason Ward, who um, cited, I think, for Celebration 3 or something, that they actually did the panels multiple times, which, I don't know. I don't want to see it. Like, if I'm seeing the second run of it, 
I'd kind of just be happy to watch it on the feed. What do you? Would you rather like watch the first ever one only panel in another room on a giant screen, or would you wait? Want to wait for tomorrow's one, where you get to see them sort of do it all again? No, I still want to see the first one. Yeah, I mean, it's like you do. Did they do it with with like all the same people? Yeah, or was it like a roading? No, rotating no. part of the cast apparently like you know i guess there's like you know there's riffing and questions and stuff that go in different directions but from what jason told me it was essentially the same script you know and you know like, you know that would i mean ironically because you wouldn't need it like that that'd be fine for some of the smaller panels but like if i'm seeing the trailer premiere or something like that or some big news thing once everybody knows it, the second day when they're doing the yeah, panel again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Adam Green in the chat says, I saw Jason's tweet. No way you get the same energy from repeat panels. And also when you put it, like when you frame it in like the the Star Wars 40th anniversary um, panel, like to see that on the second day, it... I don't know. I, I like. I love seeing Star Wars actors and stuff, and that's always exciting. But like, it's sort of the moment. I, I, I for that, I'd much rather see it like with no spoilers in a cinema in another room. That would be my go. Yeah. Um, what else is happening? We've got a sale on at the moment at, uh, the Mercho store, which is where all the Steelwise Merchers is, and it's September sale, uh, 33% off. It's the Steel Wars pre-baby sale, Emily, and I need to clean some space out of my cupboard for, um, some baby things. So to get 33, 33% off, I wish I didn't make it such a uh, hard number to say, continuously use code BABY and uh, the t-shirts will be 14 bucks 50 and stickers will come down a third as well. That's merchostore.com and I'll put a link in the show notes. Emily, you've worn several of these t-shirts. G- g- come on, give us some sizzle. They're they're very high quality t-shirts. <laughs> they're... they're- <laughs> Keep it going. They're comfortable. Don't I know. Don't crack. Look, okay, I'll say this. I know sometimes women are reluctant because they're you don't have the the female cut, but just like go a go a size down than you would, and you're you're pretty good. Like they're still they're really comfortable. They're still flattering. Generally, the text is not in like a weird area. <laughs> I even know what you are. Uh, that's in regards to. But um, thank you. There was, there was a hand movement that went with that, but okay, okay. Well, well, sadly, your face is just frozen um, next to my shoulder, so we, we can get to see yeah. that. Sorry about that, Emily. Uh, A quick bit of uh, light Star Wars news. This is from the Star Wars Underworld. I saw this one. But Adam Driver is going to host Saturday Night Live, the season premiere, with um, Kanye West as the musical act. (laughs) Because they're two people, two um, more out there people than Kylo Ren and Kanye West to have on the same show. I would love to see, please... 
Kylo Ren in character just dropping some knowledge with Kanye West. That would be um, earth-shattering, Emily. Yeah, that's 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 a pairing that I wouldn't necessarily put together. <laughs> um, we're going to go through um, these uh, amazing um, sort of links that uh, Michelle Bouquet Buckman, sorry, over at Nerdist found with the solo film and other, um, you know, historical uh, films that they got inspiration for. But we'll hit that in a second. But uh, the next little poll that I've got going till the end of the week is uh, your Star Wars, a oh, sorry, your solo Star Wars story purchasing strategy, which is... Um, like what? What are you going to get? Which and I wonder which one you fall under for this one, Emily. Uh, we had twenty-one percent just going digital. We had sixty-two percent, which I was quite shocked with, that are holding out for Blu-ray. Thirteen uh, percent are getting them both, and four percent tried to wait for the Blu-ray but cracked under the pressure. Which one are you going for, Emily? Um, I didn't vote in this poll because my strategy is not buying this movie at all. Really? Yeah. Not my solo. Hashtag. Um, Oh, don't. No. No, that makes me sound I'm just teasing. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Um, what um, What is your reasoning, Emily Lind? Quite honestly, I just don't know if I'm ever going to watch this one again. That's probably a good reason not to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't have any I don't have any like I felt a little bit when I was when I was going through the Nerdist article I was a little bit like oh that's really some cool stuff and then I'm like oh I'd kind of rather just watch any movie on this list. Ooh. It's tough. It's searing. Um, no, it's a good list of movies. Why don't you buy one so you can um, break it on YouTube? That'd be awesome. <laughs> Stick it to someone. Definitely. Stick it. I should buy like seven of them. <laughs> um, I, I, I've actually, I, we did a commentary for it, which was really cool, with uh, Randy and Jason on uh, so a dual making Star Wars.net Steel Wars Patreon bonus, which will be going up this week. And um, so I've seen it twice, essentially, since it's come out on, um, on Home Digital or whatever. And I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I don't enjoy the extra, like the knowledge I've got extra from the book. I'm trying to wipe some of that off, but um, there you go. There you go, you know? I just, ugh, um, that L3 thing, just, just. Uh, not good. Just let a droid in peace, you guys. Come on, come on. But uh, what we're going to discuss is uh, the complete guide to the cinematic references and inspirations of Solo, a Star Wars story. And if you are watching this or if you're listening to this on Patreon, you can click the link to go to the YouTube video and uh, we'll have a few of these images popping up on the screen. And this article is... Um, Everything about it is good. 
like the way that she, she's <laughs> no, but she's done like some amazing research, and then yeah, like all those gifts. Like there's gifts like combining each one of the um like the two different scenes from Solo and the other film. It's um, I was just impressed by it. I, I was very impressed. But um, what uh, get get us started on this? Set it up for us. What what what's what's going on in this article, Emily? Well, I mean, are are we going through the whole list? Or are we going through our favorites that you sent me earlier? We'll just go through the favorites, but what, what, it's, it's sort of explain, okay. explain what she did. Um, it's it's going through all of the different the the sort of inspirations in terms of costuming, in terms of set design. Some of them are particular uh, character notes. And you know it's things that the designers mention. It's it's some of it is like extremely obvious. Like looking at the gifts, you can you can instantly see it. And and some of it's subtle, but you know the the designers are talking about well, this is what we wanted from here, and we took this from here. And and Kazdan talking about um, a lot of a lot of character inspiration, and and sort of the a lot with Voss and Han and Beckett and sort of where where their personality types are coming from in cinema history. Yeah, I, I sometimes, you know, with like this, like sometimes I find, like sometimes with like maybe like the prequels and like with Attack of the Clones, sometimes they try to... Um, like I, it's it's actually one of my favorite movies with some of my worst favorite things happening in it. But um, <laughs> I, I adore Attack of the Clones. But sometimes people defend it with like references to other movies. Like it was trying to do, it was trying to be this like you know you had to watch some movie in the fifties or whatever. And I, it annoys me when those things like. I don't know. What am I trying to say? It's it's these references don't get in the way of the film. They're just little zingers, like little Easter eggs, or even when I was watching a couple, I was sort of like, "Ah, oh, that that reminds me of this," and they sort of enhanced it rather than sort of get in the way. And like, like, like sometimes I think like Macquarie, just saying the word Macquarie covered for uh, a few things in Star Wars Rebels, like it it relied on that, like on the reference too much that the actual thing that was in the reference was good or bad. God, I'm talking around in circles. But um, my first one that I picked out that uh, one of the few, Emily, that I got from the first screening was The Godfather Part 2 and Han's arrival at the Coronet spaceport deliberately mirrors another famous moment on film. We wanted the sequence to feel like the Ellis Island sequence in The Godfather Part 2, John Kazdan wrote in his list of factoids on Twitter. So, in The Godfather Part 2, if you haven't seen it, everyone apart from Corey, it is <laughs> so good. It is so, so good. And this one, actually, when Han Solo was going through the sort of to sign up for the Imperial military or whatever... It's, I definitely got that, especially with the surname thing, which the surname part of that scene 
doesn't do much for me at all. I wish he'd just said, ah, oh, Solo, and you never knew if it was his surname or not, rather than the other uh, way. Oh, I, I know. I, I, yeah, I, I, I genuinely, it's one of the things in this movie that I like viscerally hate. One of those things that you're extra glad that you won't be watching. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 the, the the name thing aside, it's it's more than just that. It's it's the whole visual of this port and everything that that looks like Alice Island in does in Godfather Two. Yeah, I I feel like that factoid is going to make me like that scene more because. I just love The Godfather 2 so much. So I, I can I can balance it out a little bit. I'm, I'm all about being fair, Emily. All about being fair. Hey, uh, if you are on hold and you want to chat, just press 1 on your keyboard and I know you'll be up to chat. Like our next caller, it is the king of all kings, not calling from Australia, but calling from Ohio. It's King Tom. How you doing, buddy? All right, Emily and Steele, how are you guys doing? Doing pretty good. I think we're good. Good. I, I do have to say because, good, good. Um, I was out grocery shopping and I was wearing my um, content, a Steel Wars story shirt. And, you know, it, it feels comfortable and it looks nice. And so everything you guys were saying about, about the shirts earlier, I, I, can, I can attest to. That, so I, I wanted to say that. Thank you. I am actually, with those T-shirts, which are the ones I use all the time now, I, I'm very happy with how the fit, like I'm very picky with t-shirts and, but those ones mm-hmm. are, 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 are real are extra soft. And I, as I get older, I yearn for a softer t-shirt, Tom, you know? Yes. I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> What's on your mind uh, this afternoon, this evening? Uh, well, earlier you guys were talking about the kind of a plan that uh, Jason Ward presented, um, having multiple um, sessions of the same panel, and uh, I was at I was at Celebration Three, and I could see that working for some of the smaller or not as newsworthy panels. I know Rick McCallum had a highlight reel there that. Uh, he it was like an hour long panel. He showed this highlight reel. He answered questions. He showed the highlight reel again. And I, he did that multiple times. So something like that or something based around special effects or, you know, the more scholarly type of star Wars panels, I could see that working really well with as long as it got a big turnout. But like you guys were saying, I'm with you. Um, the more immediate panels, like the ones where the trailers are sh- showing or the, ca- you know, the cast is being interviewed. I don't know if that oh. would work because Oh, Tom, I don't. Imagine, I think the imagine this, Tom. That if they did that every day, and then someone they they were going to go to like the one on the third day, and so they didn't watch the trailer. They went spoiler free. They're trying to go around oh. celebration without <laughs> getting spoiled. They'd be walking around in blindfolds for the first first three days. <laughs> but the other thing with you know, like the 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 smaller panels. Well, you don't really need to replay them. Like they're not. You know, they're not overnight, like, you're not like, you know, lining up overnight to see, you know, Nick Gillard or something, which I'm sure is an amazing panel. I hear it was actually, but you know, it's not, that, that, that's more of a, 
well, if you really want to go to that panel, get to that room two hours early or something, which, you know, that's sort of always my right. my Comic-Con um, line-up policy, as it were. Because they don't they only clear out <laughs> the giant rooms, yeah, at Celebration? I think that's right. I... I've only been to one celebration, and that was Celebration 3. And I know because of that, uh, Karma is going to have me waiting in line because we drove up that morning, parked, and right as soon as we walked up to the convention center, a door opened up, and we the guard said, you can get in line here. We didn't even know what we were in line for. And we got right into the the first George Lucas presentation of the day. Ooh. So I, I, know, I know some people who waited in line for that, you know, learned about this later on. So I know, you know, karma's got me here. So I think I'm going to be overnight at least once this celebration. So you're going this year. Or the panel's going to get cut off right in front of you. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that, that too. That, that too. I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. And, and then you're talking to someone that's like, oh, yeah, I just slipped in that day. And, and you, you get to meet like your past <laughs> self. That would be um, perfect. Irony. Exactly. So you're going next year, Tom. Yes. And are you, are you going next year, Emily? Yes. Man, you guys are going to be just hailed as heroes. Like, that's, <laughs> that's Tom. That's Emily Lynch. That's, um, I'm going to be fanning out. It's so exciting. Can't wait. Hey, uh, Tom, what did you make of all these um, film references in uh, the reviewed or, uh, or highlighted on Nerdist? It, you know, I, I took a look through it. I didn't really get to really study it, but I think she, you know, she did some amazing work there. And it was neat seeing some of these um, links. You know, just to remind me, it's, it's all poetry still. It's all poetry. <laughs> it is all poetry. That's the thing. you got to watch out for it. The, mm-hmm. poet, the poetry is real. I'll, uh, I'm just going to highlight another one. And this is from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And it is mm-hmm. when they are on Minban and they're talking about their sort of battle plan. And uh, it says, listen closely as Han and Beckett walk together after the Minban battle. And you may hear a familiar line of dialogue from the second Indiana Jones film. And it's Indy just saying, oh. walk from here. And it's the same line. I, I didn't really get... Who said that? Did they play Indiana Jones's line, or is it just someone saying the same line? Clarification, please. I, I don't know. You know, one thing I did notice, if I may, and this isn't a visual thing, but in the soundtrack of Solo, the, um, the Reminiscence Therapy, I think it's called, there's a musical cue. Um, that's played after, right after Han pulls the needles trick. It's kind of buried in the soundtrack on the mix. But if you listen to the soundtrack, it's there. And it's the same musical cue from um, The Last Crusade when young Indy is on the train. Ah, fascinating. See, that sounds like much more of an actual reference than than this mm-hmm. line does to me. This Most of this article, I think, is great and really spot on. And it's entirely possible that that line was intentional, but it seems like such a generic line that I don't know. I, I love Emily's calling mm-hmm. it out. Calling BS on this reference. <laughs> I like that through, through, through all the different ones that they do, I like there's like an even mix of they're so vague and then they're, they're slapping you in the face. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, uh, Tom, thanks for calling in, man. I will, uh, I'll see you at Star Wars Celebration, oh. but I'll talk to you before then, probably. Oh, I'm sure we will. Enjoy shopping, Tom. Thanks a lot. Buy me something nice. Um, what do we got? Which is what? What was one of your ones that you uh, fancied, Emily? I really liked, um, and let me find it because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and that was um, Heat, which uh, was directed by Michael Mann, and is possibly the greatest crime drama ever made. But anyway, uh, the, the, from the article, Beckett's untrustworthy mantra and loner outlook parallel Robert De Niro's character, Neil McCauley, and Michael Mann's heat. We wanted Beckett to be cut from the same cloth as Neil McCauley, Kazan remarked on Twitter. We wanted Beckett to embody a moral cynicism that Han would, later in life, outwardly project but never possess. I, um, one of the, I, I like the, like, one of my favorite things about Solo, like, I, I've got issues with the Kessel Run. I don't think there's. I don't think the the Kessel Run ever should have downtime. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I didn't like when I rewatched it. It definitely seemed like when they have that sort of moment of peace. I don't know. It, it kind of. I just never in 40 years. I never imagined that that the Kessel Run would have time to chill. But one thing that I loved is all the relationships and. And, and Han sort of trying to, like, define himself and in some ways lie about himself for, for decades about... Because, um, you know, when the, when the chips are down, Han Solo, he's come through every time, you know. He, he helped out Enfy's Nest. And yeah. Helped out the Rebellion uh, a couple times. But um, I, I definitely loved the way he was sort of trying to become Beckett and... That sort of became part of his persona. I, I thought that was uh, quite um, fascinating. Now, um, one that I loved, Emily, was the Defiant Ones. Do you have that one up? Yes, I do. Run Let me find that, that. All right. An Academy Award nominee for Best Picture in 1959, The Defiant Ones follows two escaped convicts, played by Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier, who are shackled together and must cooperate in order to survive while on the run. Solo uses the same visual training together, Han and Chewie. They must work together and trust each other in order to escape Mimban. Now, that one, I didn't get the reference. Like, I didn't go, oh my God, that's The Defiant Ones. I was. It was one of the ones that a few of these fall into where I'm like, oh, that's a classic thing to happen, that two people are chained and they run in different directions. Like, it, I, I feel like that's have to have happened in, in many films that has referenced this. You agree, Emily, or am I off? Oh, a- absolutely. And I, I would assume that it is because of the defined ones. Yeah, they were the, they were the OG. We're chained up. We're going in the wrong direction. They pioneered it, you know, which is very exciting. Yeah, it's it's. I I'd, I'd never seen that movie, and it's one that thinking about that now because it is something that I've seen done so often 
whether in movies or even like cartoons and stuff, it is something that I, I, I really kind of want to take a look at now. Yeah. All right. We have got, oh, someone was just on hold and wanted to chat, but they just cut off. I think it was a Skype call. But uh, oh, no. there's uh, a couple people on hold. If you do want to actually join the conversation, just press one on your touchpad. And I'll know that you're not just listening in, but you want to chat. And that has happened. So let's go to 512. Who are you and where are you calling from? Hey, Steele. It's Jeff from San Francisco. Jeff from San Francisco. What's going on, Marty? Not much. How are you? Uh, We're doing pretty good. What's on your mind? Uh, Are you you going to Star Wars Celebration? And and what's your... um, pick of distributing these panel seats i i'm not going to celebration and um i think actually i got on a little late so i must have missed that part of the conversation where ah. you guys were talking about that and I, I guess it's something from jason's uh jason's reporting that was uh out there he was a little bit involved but he was he was just don't worry about it. It's fine. But it's not a... This is not one of those... Don't go looking for one of these classic Jason Ward scoops on this one. Uh, but what's on your mind tonight, mate? <laughs> well, I watched I watched the solo... Uh, you know, I got it on digital and I watched it on, on, uh, on Amazon this week. And I watched all the special features. And I just... I thought it was really cool um, that during the Sabak scene... I don't know if you talked about this earlier. So hopefully I'm not re- rehashing something. But they talked about how... Um, they set it up like a Renaissance painting. I thought that was really interesting. Ah. I uh, I don't know if you noticed that or, or saw that. No, nah, I haven't. Huh. I haven't gone through all the bonus features yet. I've got I've got it like on movies anywhere or whatever, and I was watching it through Amazon Prime, and this is disgusting. Like. If you're around young children, turn down the volume now because the movie and all the extras, they're all on the same file. It's wrong. It's it's bad. Not good. I don't like the fast forwarding. I don't like the rewinding. I don't like the pausing. I I want separate files for all my bonus features. I just I just don't want like his five hours. Just, just find the bit you want to watch, buddy. You schmuck. Movies start off this movies anywhere. That's that's basically what they're saying. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the Blu-ray so I can um, just watch what I want. Because I don't know, it, it's the, the streaming fast-forward system doesn't work. No buys. There's no precision. Back in my day on the DVD, you could go right to the second you wanted. The good old days. Bring them back. Stop smashing those discs. Put them in the players. Fast forward to the bit you want to watch. It's my message to you. Sorry. Um, sometimes I just keep talking. It's really annoying. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. But um, did that bug you, Jeff? Or you don't know what I'm talking about? Or you're about to hang up on me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, I totally agree with you. Actually, when I bought The Last Jedi, I thought that they sold me a bad copy because I couldn't find the special features anywhere. And I had to watch the movie and then it started after that. After, you know, you got to go through the credits and stuff. But that's the thing, Jeff. They did, and, sell, and I was, they did sell you a bad was, copy. They sold everyone a bad copy. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I thought they sold it without any special features. But yeah. you, you're right. I mean, it's annoying that, you know, I can go play a, a DVD on my PlayStation right now. 
uh, from the 1990s and it has like a place where you can click to every section of the movie, like a scene. And then now with the on-demand stuff on the digital from Amazon, you can't really do that. You have to kind of like um, hover over the segment and then you might get the little square pop up to show you where it is, but then you have to know the movie. You know what I'm talking about? So I, I'm completely on board with that with you. Um, but I ended up buying it on Amazon again on for solo just because <laughs> that's where my movies are. So I'm stuck into the system, I guess. Wow. These, these protesting, it's not what it used to be. Remember back in the day when you protest something by not buying it? I, I see a lot of these people pro like paying money to protest these days. It, you know, at, at least Jeff's doing it in a, uh, a slightly more upbeat fashion, but, um, yeah, I am looking forward to hitting those buttons. Please, please give me those buttons. I need them desperately. Um, we've been talking about the um, the parallels between classic cinema moments and solo little Easter eggs. Did you uh, check that out? That article on Nerdist. I didn't check that article out, um, but I did notice that you know when you watch these movies, you see a number of parallels and. I liked King Tom's, uh, you know, musical interlude. There were a number of times where you heard, a, uh, you know, a, t- a tone or something that was in the movie, especially solo, where y- it turned and you could hear something, especially, you know, during the Kessel Run, you could hear, I mean, th- I know it's a Star Wars reference, but you could hear, you know, the music from when they were going through the asteroids uh, in Empire Strikes Back. So you, you get those key kind of callbacks to other things. So I thought that was really cool, Um, especially since that was one of my favorite, favorite songs on um, the the discs that I had when I was a kid. So, you know, you you can hear and you can feel these cues and there's always these references. So I, I I enjoy them when they're subtle. And I think if they're overt, it's kind of annoying, but I like the the subtlety of it, um, you know, when they, when they bring that up. So. Yeah. I very much enjoy when they put in, I don't know what that music's called. Asteroid chase or I don't know. Rock Dodge. Yeah, something like that. Is that what that's that John Williams? John Williams' classic song. Rock Dodge. Rock Dodge. <laughs> 1980. Yeah, famous, famous song. <laughs> that famous Rock Dodge song. Excellent. Hey, uh, anything else on your mind tonight, Jeff? Nope, that was it. Thanks so much, Steele. Appreciate it. Cool, man. Always enjoy your calls. I'll uh, talk to you again soon. Alrighty, Emily, we don't have much time uh, left on the show, but uh, I've got this one up, and it's the 2001 A Space Odyssey. Uh, The interior designs of the Millennium Falcon were heavily influenced by the minimalistic interiors of the spacecraft in Stanley Kubrick's 1968 sci-fi masterpiece, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, circular hallways, white padded interiors, and lo-fi LED display panels are all key characteristics of both films lived in space age look. Unsurprisingly, several members of the creative team on 2001 A Space Odyssey went on to work with George Lucas at Pinewood Studios for A New Hope. Now, I find this one especially delicious because it's a film reference being added to something that we've known for decades. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, with the refurb of the Falcon... Mm-hmm. They uh, they refurbished it in a 2001, um, you know, look or inspired by. But seeing the two pictures, and uh, if you watch it on YouTube, you can see that of like the padded walls and stuff. It is like it's one of those things that I didn't pick up. But then when I see it together, I'm like, oh, that's cool. 
Well, especially with how how clean and shiny the the Falcon is in this movie, I I, I feel like that is really strong. In fact, you know, it was one of the, the one of the first times I saw the uh, must have been the first time the the teaser that was just like going through the interior of the Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was there was. There was a split second when it started, um, because I, I, I saw it one time, I, I, I don't know, if they, maybe I was in the theater or maybe I was watching it without knowing what it was, and I thought it was a teaser for the, um, because 2001 was back in theaters, like a, re- a restoration, ah. and for a, there was a second where I thought that's what I was about to see a trailer for. You were to go see the wrong movie. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would have definitely gone see 2001 again in the theater, but I don't. I think 2001 has such a strong aesthetic, and it's something that has has influenced a lot of science fiction. And it, it's definitely, it's definitely here in Solo, and it's not, it's not distracting. I mean, it's definitely noticeable if you no 2001 if you've ever seen it it's really apparent but but it's also just a beautiful design there's there's a reason that it's influenced so much yeah and it fits like that's what i like about Mm -hmm. it 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 sort of like it it, it fits like because i don't i don't look at the falcon and go like it doesn't seem ham-fisted the uh the cleanup but uh, another one that I love, you pick this one out, uh, Cool Hand Luke. The design for the chrome eyepiece of Enfy's Nest helmet comes from the prison guard character Godfrey in the 1967 prison drama Cool Hand Luke. Godfrey, nicknamed the man with no eyes by the inmates, rarely takes his sunglasses off in the film, much like Enfy's Nest and her helmet in Solo. Now, I haven't seen Cool Hand Luke, but I just love the image that's up of this guy Godfrey with his um, his glasses on with the reflective lenses, and like I love that that real world like it looks it looks pretty cool. Do you know what I mean? I like that that's sort of being yeah. adopted into uh, like a, a sci fi sort of thing because that's what I like about. A lot of these is, and that's what, you know, the sort of the core of Star Wars, how George Lucas made it so good, was taking, like, just all the cool things from all these movies and, and putting them in, you know, in space together. And uh, so I, I like this sort of stuff that continues that tradition. Well, yeah, and I, just, I like learning where people get their inspiration because it's, like, it's not like I would ever, or anyone would ever, look at Infus Nest and go, oh, that's definitely from Cool Hand Luke. But the idea that, you know, the costume designers are are pulling these little subtle things from these iconic images, I, I just, I like knowing that. It's, it's, a really, it's a really cool detail to know part of the, the thought process and to, I mean, she was, one of my favorite parts of the movie, and I think that helmet design is incredible. So I like knowing little little bits like that of where it came from. Yeah, another one that I um I don't have the image of. I'm not sure. I think I must have got lost in uh, when I was transferring stuff over. But 
one of the references was Westworld, the original movie in the 70s, the computer terminals and the computer terminals at Kessel. Now, I just like that one because I watched Westworld, the movie, recently in celebration of the conclusion of the amazing second season of the HBO um, drama. And I'm going to keep my mouth shut on that one. Sorry? Nothing, no, nothing. Oh, okay. Um, but that, have you seen the original Westworld? It's crazy. It's like, starts off as like a jovial romp comedy with almost like Benny Hill-esque scenes. And then it ends with like a bad version of the Terminator. Yeah, it, then it just becomes like your Brenner killing a bunch of people dressed as a cowboy. <laughs> it's so bizarre. But, uh... Very exciting. Very exciting. Uh, any? What other ones did you want to hit before we bailed, Emily? What you, have you got a last pick? Um, my last pick, uh, because it's one of the one of the the best Western movies of all time. Uh, High Noon, which is the uh, Gary Cooper Grace Kelly movie. I won't I won't read the whole one on this one because it's a little more more detailed, but Basically, you know, High Noon, it, it, High Moon is a movie that plays out in real time. And it's about, you know, Gary Cooper is this marshal and he learns that this criminal who he put away is, is coming to kill him. And he tries to get everybody in the town to help him. And they all cowards and refuse. And then there's this big final standoff. And that was, um, according to, um, um, Production director Neil Lamar agreed because uh, Kazan talked about this too. Remarking to Nerdist, we're in a high noon at the end of the movie, and it's the culmination of the whole thing. Um, in place I definitely can't pronounce, the Canary Islands, Spain, where the movie was shot on location. On that set, in the middle of nowhere, it's quite a task put together. And and that that final scene where Han outdraws Beckett, it's it's this great classic western feel to it it's that was i was so nerve-wracked during that scene because of that um hand shot first thing but i i thought it was done very tastefully it, it suggested the hand shoots first without saying it thoughts emily on that yeah, you you could have done that same thing and done it really like really cheesily and really badly. There was no, I was afraid there was going to be some like overt like dialogue about it. Oh, I I actually remember sitting in the cinema like at the premiere and just thinking, if he says anything, this could ruin my night. Like I I, <laughs> I was worried I I was going to be bitter at a Star Wars party. It was it was uh. Very tense for me. But um, I will uh, add a link to this article. It is amazing work by Michelle uh, going through all these. It's really fun. And whether how much it all means to you is like one thing or the other. But it, it, it's cool that all these, you know, little sort of images from film. It's, it's an interesting um, like mashup or remix or I, I'm not even sure what you'd Describe it in musical terms. But uh, John Kasdan did uh, check it out and uh, he tweeted, This is unbelievably uh, Michelle Deirdre. 
A wonderful and enriching piece about the influences on Solo with great images. They were... the Michelle's gift game. I don't know if they've got a gift team down there at uh, Nerdist or what, but some top gifting. Uh, it also beautifully illustrates the way the legacy of great movies survive through homage, reinterpretation, and outright thievery. Thanks so much, Michelle. That's pretty high praise. I like it. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good seal of approval to get on your article. Yeah, and I sort of, you know, it, it's this sort of thing is why I like having the, you know, the creatives on Twitter and stuff, you know? Like some people, you know, we've gone through, they shouldn't be interacting and stuff. And, and if you're going to interact, there's going to be some bad interactions as well. Or, you know, I think that's, you know, no one's perfect. And you're not going to uh, totally agree with the way everyone comes across. But I think this is like part of the really fun part of it is when fans are discovering stuff and then the creators are sort of chiming in to, um, you know, give it the thumbs up and be happy that people worked it out and stuff. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's also, it's just nice to know like, Oh no, I'm like, I'm not crazy that I thought this was a connection. It really is there. That's exciting. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Now, through this podcast, is there any more chance you're going to um, purchase this uh, Blu-ray, Emily? Uh, no. <laughs> Not at full price. <laughs> you can look up eBay for snapped solo uh, Blu-rays going cheap. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out, Emily. It's always a, a joy to talk to you and especially to talk Star Wars with you. And for those that don't know, Emily did a, uh, a Steel Wars interview episode. What is that? Uh, episode 104 or 106 or... It's a while back, but you have... It's somewhere around there, yeah. You have the, 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 the sad claim to fame of being the first person I knew that was not in Australia that heard one of my podcasts. So what a, what a pioneer into self-indulgence you are. <laughs> a real trendsetter for your ego. Oh, come on. Very fragile. Very, that's, that's upset me. Now, um, Panobite Dispatch is one of the 13 podcasts you currently record. Uh, tell us about them all, please. Alrighty. Um, I do a Twin Peaks podcast with Charlie Ashby and Mickey Valf, and we are gearing up to go back and go through all of the Twin Peaks canon, starting uh, the first episode is up where we cover The Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which was the first tie-in book. Um, I do a Star Trek podcast called <gasps> He's Dead Jim with... I know it's a betrayal uh, with Mick McConnell, um, who listeners of the show might know he interacts on the Facebook page a lot, but we're going through each episode of the original series of Star Trek. And then I do the Cantobite dispatch with Miss Downtown Brittany Brown. And we, we talk, I mean, we try to talk about Star Wars every week. Sometimes we even manage to talk for quite a bit about Star Wars, but there's also, you know, food and 
um, things that aren't appropriate to talk about on this show, but we talk about on our podcast. And, and plenty of Mendo and Pog talk as well, which is, uh, is always up my alley. Oh, always. Always up my alley. Hey, uh, we won't be doing a interview episode of Steel Wars uh, this week, but uh, we will have one next week. So I'll put this on the free feed to feel your ears for the week. Um, if you don't know, um, I'm hopefully two weeks off from becoming a father. I say hopefully because please don't come early, baby boy. Please don't come early. <laughs> Let's just give us not ready yet. We're looking forward to meeting you, but um, yeah, there's 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 some loose ends to be tidied up before we uh, head to the hospital, hopefully. So uh, yeah, so time uh, my schedule's getting thrown about with um, you know things that happen there. But uh, if you are a Patreon, which uh, for one dollar you get all the uh, back episodes in full. Uh, interruption free and you get all this YouTube stuff um, conveniently in your ears as well. Uh, that's $1 a month, which is about 23 cents a week. Or uh, for $3, you get everything involved in that and our bonus shows and a few of our bonus shows of late. We've got the Star Wars Year by Podcast, which is a two-hour video and audio experience for Patreons um, going through the history of Star Wars, reading the Star Wars Year by Year book. Uh, there's the Robo Report. We've got a new one of those up. And also, just on the normal feed, uh, a full episode with Bethany Lassina talking about uh, the Washington Post's article on Star Wars Twitter. And the week before, also on a Twitter tip, we've got Justin Bolger. Uh, Lucasfilm's head Star Wars tweeter, the man before, behind at Star Wars, talking about social media and Star Wars. So check all that stuff out. And don't forget the 33% sale if you use baby at merchostore.com. There will be a link wherever you're watching this. I'll put a link. You, you consider yourself linked. But Emily, thank you so much. If you want to follow Emily on Twitter, it is at E.F. Lind. Do you have a, another way of saying that? Like a F. Lind? What's the deal? Uh, I, I always just say E.F. Lind because it's my first and middle initial. But I guessed as much, but um, I, uh, I thought it, 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 it's so close to making a little nice name from like Hobbitsville or something like that. I don't, I don't know. That's just, that's just. I just, I just see pictures, Emily. I, I look at the world a bit different. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit Kanye to your Kylo. You know what I'm saying? You know, sadly, I do. I don't think it reflects well on either of us. <laughs> uh, but go check out the Canobite Dispatch. It is uh, awesome, fun Star Wars listening. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thanks to our Patreon supporters. And... Uh, Thanks to you for listening or watching. I am Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars.